1: This is a podcast from Minute Media. You're listening to the MLS Multiplex Podcast with contributors from MLSMultiplex.com.
0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the MLS Multiplex podcast. As always, Drew, Josh, Connor here talking about the wild, wild world of Major League Soccer. Week two is in the books. Some games were boring, some games were not boring. Both of our teams got absolutely clobbered, so it was an awful week of watching soccer from the fan side of things. But a lot of goals so it's exciting. CCL fever. I don't know if you guys are positive for that because CCL is going surprisingly well. Holy crap, Josh is touching his forehead right now. Um, so CCL is exciting. We might talk a little bit about that. But yes, we had a crazy, crazy week of soccer, um, crazy week of life. So, Connor, I guess is you're you're back in school. Yes. How is school going for you? How's the past week been going?
1: Still going in person for the second week in a row. So that was weird. Um, Still not used to that. Still don't like it. Ontario is lifting their mask mandates, despite the fact that they probably shouldn't. Um, So that's even less comforting. Although you probably haven't had that for months. Um, Yeah. What else was I going to say? I had something I wanted to bring up, but I can't remember what it was.
0: How was uh, the match besides the actual soccer part, which we'll talk about, unfortunately?
1: Yeah, that wasn't fun. Really cold. Really cold. Um, For anybody not from probably like the northeast to the north central areas, you won't understand how cold cold is. Um, When I will take a negative five game, with zero wind over a 5 degree game with galing winds. It's so bad. It was so cold. I tweeted out what I wore and like that wasn't even enough. I was still cold. Um yeah, that was just not fun at all. Um very frustrating, but we'll dive into the issues there uh because i see we have it bolded yay um yeah i can't remember what i wanted to bring up but there was something who knows josh how are you doing i am
2: doing well uh it was once again another another week of work um the weather has been starting to get weird here in georgia like it was really really nice last week just perfect weather Wanted to be outside every single second. We got some rain this week, and now it's getting really cold. It's kind of getting nice again today and tomorrow, but it's going to rain again on Saturday. And the issue with that is I'm teaching on Saturday, and we have a competition, so we'll be outside warming up and stuff. It'll be done raining by the time we start warming up, which is good. However, the temperature is going to drop from about 60 degrees throughout the day into the 30s, and the feels like, because of the 30-mile-an-hour
1: wind gusts, is going to be in the 20s. So it's like fifteen to three. That is still warmer than the TFC game on the weekend.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. I'm definitely not saying it's gonna be that cold or anything. But the weather is also just so weird here. And I and I bet next week it'll be right back up into the 60s and 70s. Nice, perfect weather because that's that's where we are. We're in these false springs and uh, false winters. But other than weird weather. Like I said, good week of work and teaching. Uh, lots of pop culture stuff. I started watching uh, Winning Time, which is a new HBO Max series about the rise of the Lakers dynasty. Did you watch it too, Connor?
1: No, but that's I remember what I uh, remembered what I wanted to bring up. Friday.
2: Yes. Yeah. So so that was on Sunday, and then tomorrow we're recording this on Thursday. Tomorrow is Formula One Drive to Survive season four. Super. I am super excited about that because I don't have to work tomorrow morning, so I'm gonna sleep yeah. in. I'm going to make some breakfast and over breakfast, I'm going to start watching the new F1 season. Uh, Remind me, Connor, you don't actually like watch the races or anything, right? You just watch the show.
1: Yeah. I just watched the show. Uh, Cool.
2: Cool. So I started following and actually watching the races last year. And because of that, I'm really excited for this season because I've seen the first three seasons too, but just like you, I wasn't watching the actual races. So you don't know anything really until you, so I'm curious to see how they frame stuff. I already know about, um, and especially the last race of the season, which was just yeah. all sorts of crazy and whack and bonkers. <laughs> Apparently, they saved that for the last episode or two, and the media weren't allowed to watch those episodes. So I'm really excited what that's going to turn into. Um, and on Monday, I once saw the new Batman movie. Okay. It was it was pretty good. Um, I'm not as like excited or hyped about it as most people are, just because to me... It was just another Batman movie, which nothing wrong with that. I love Batman. I've I have loved Batman since I was a kid. Um, but there were some cool nuanced things. The acting from everybody was phenomenal. So such a good cast all the way around. So that was really cool. And then I'm going to the Atlanta United game on Sunday, which I'm excited about because they're playing Charlotte FC. It's going to be. A- and speaking of Charlotte, Drew, what is new with you this week? I'm sure nothing happened.
0: Nothing happened. No, this is pretty so cool. Yeah, really- also, week.
2: tell us why I had to find out through Connor, who I don't even know how he found out about this, and I had to confirm by going to your Twitter profile and saying, <laughs> you're not, oh. You're not connected with him on LinkedIn? No, I'm not because LinkedIn is stupid. I don't use, I don't use LinkedIn. You're an idiot.
1: You're <laughs> I don't have to do yeah. something I don't believe in. Oh, my God.
0: <laughs> but, but anyway, yeah. Drew.
1: I'm a good yeah. is the difference here.
0: Oh, my God. <laughs> that that defines good friends. Um, yeah, yeah. It's been a good week. Uh, I will be moving to Charlotte, North Carolina tomorrow morning. Um, super excited and busy by that to work with the Charlotte Independence of USL League One doing social media stuff. I'm super excited about that. Get to move to a really cool city. Um, USL season starts in about a month. So getting ready for their home opener um, funny enough, the independence home opener is April 8th. And then Atlanta's first trip to Charlotte is April 10th. So Perfect. hopefully a lot of Atlanta fans make a whole weekend out of it and get to go watch some USL league one and then some MLS. Cause that would be awesome. Um, we're looking at you. what'd you say?
1: Josh, we're looking at you.
0: <laughs> if you make the trip up to Charlotte, if you're not in Colorado by then, um, Yeah. So super excited about that. Charlotte seems like a cool city. I've been there once. I went there for a Georgia Clemson football game. Bank of America is sick. Super awesome. Uh, Super cool to see the city break the attendance record, which as an LA United fan, quite, quite sad, but as a fan of soccer, specifically in the South, it's pretty cool to see a team from North Carolina break the attendance record that was set by a team in Georgia as a team from Tennessee begins to build biggest soccer specific stadium in the u.s canada so soccer in the south pretty killer pretty exciting times to be here um so that has been taking up the majority of my life um yeah so i posted it on linkedin which is how connor saw it and yeah. then yeah i think connor said like congrats on the new job man which i totally man slack probably- hates i don't
2: what was that one of those pre pre-made messages connor what doesn't LinkedIn have, like, pre-made messages where you, like, you can congratulate so-and-so on, on a new job? No, I did that in Slack. Oh, okay. Oh, that's what Drew's talking about. I thought he meant that happened on LinkedIn. I just liked the I like the post on What the heck?
0: Yeah. All right, now I was, I was like, oh, me. shoot. I guess Josh doesn't know about that. But that's what's been happening in my week. I'm currently uh, in the process of moving, which is a horrible, horrible process. But Charlotte's not far. It's, like, three hours. So it's not too bad of a drive. and. Yeah, so come on, you jacks. I'm a diehard Independence fan now. Hopefully they're good. I'm still learning about the team. But yeah, so that's what's going on in my life. Uh, pop culture stuff. March Madness is almost here. I've been watching a lot of college basketball, trying to act like I know what I'm doing before I make a horrible, horrible bracket. So college basketball, moving to Charlotte. That's been my life for the past like week.
1: Are you going to be traveling with the team?
0: I'm not, no. That's, that's a bummer because they go usl is really big it's huge like they see they open up with i totally like the northern colorado something like that they go to madison to play forward madison they play tormenta fc in statesboro get to see them play um the greenville triumph so but i don't get to travel unfortunately maybe i'll just go to madison anyway on my own money to see a forward madison game
2: this is usl league one right
0: Yes, they were in USL. Um, we talked about it a little bit, but they just got bumped down to league one.
2: Right. Okay. Was is this did they bump down on their own? Oh, right. You were saying because of Charlotte FC coming into MLS, yeah. right? It up.
0: sounds very on their own accord. Um, just with a lot of players leaving to go to CFC. Um, they just went down a league and they get to play a lot of local teams, like they're playing North Carolina FC, like I said, the Triumph. The Richmond kickers aren't far away. So they're getting pretty local here.
2: What's your North Colorado hailstorm FC? Yes, that's what it is. Colorado that team. might be
0: my favorite mascot. In because soccer.
2: I was about to say, like, are you talking about the Colorado Springs Switchbacks? And I was like, wait, I think they're in the championship. And when you said something about Northern Colorado, I was like, wait a second. So that's awesome.
1: God, this is insane. Um, what's your official title and what will you be doing for them? You don't know,
0: do you? Official title. Digital marketing and events coordinator is the official title. So that will involve some social media, both with the league one team, and they are getting a W league team with the USL women's league starting in the summer. So I will get to hang out with them a little bit. Um, and yeah, like we were talking about before they have been in Charlotte for about seven ish years now. So their Academy is pretty established, um, really big, you know, just as a good big city with a lot of soccer talent. So I'll get to work with their Academy. That's a big thing. I'm developing youth players to play with the independents or maybe one day play with CFC. Um, So I've been working, I'll be working with the League One team but also the W League team. And then with the Youth Academy when they have like camps, clinics, stuff like that. So the Youth Academy is kind of a big deal to them.
1: Interesting. That's very cool uh we'll be expecting lots of good guests if you can continue doing the podcast um
0: like the tweets please that's all i ask by begging you (laughs) please
1: what's their at what's their at
0: what's their at i think it's at independence
1: at okay that is a bold twitter handle um i don't
0: know how they got that i don't know how they did it
1: at independence let's see Sure. I like how none of
2: us mentioned anything Atlanta sports related because there's nothing else happening besides United, right?
1: Yeah. Followed by. Har- Charlotte, Dylan Walsh, Caesar Hernandez, Tristan Demers, MLS follows them. Andrew Wiebe, the Rapids, and Houston, as well. Yeah, as- they have
0: a deal with the Rapids or something like that. Like Rapids players sometimes play with them.
1: Oh, interesting. So, maybe you'll join Josh in Colorado at some point, working for the Rapids.
0: One well, of my friends works for the Rapids. Maybe this is a weird Colorado connection we got going on here.
1: That would be very funny. Uh, a trio of you three in Colorado. I assume they're from Georgia. They are. There you go. So, Georgia's taken over Colorado soccer. Um, <laughs> Is what we're f- figured out from this. Yeah. Any, anything else we want to add to that conversation? No?
2: Yes. Yes. What? Yes. And then I'll, I'll transition us to our next thing. But, uh, yeah. I was talking to a friend. He's the one who I get my LA United tickets from he's the season ticket holder that doesn't go to the games. <laughs> and, uh, he sent me the tickets to the Charlotte game this week. And I was like, man, I'm really going to miss this. And he was like, does Colorado have a team? And I was like, they, they do. And I was like, and they're pretty good as well. And uh, I can't remember what he said, but I was like, but nobody cares about the team. Like it's not, it's not the same. And he was like, when's the last time they won a championship? And I was like, 2010. And he was like, oh, people have forgotten. I was like, that's, that's not really it. That's not, that's not the problem with the team. So we'll, we'll see what it's like out there in Commerce City, Colorado.
1: When are you moving to Colorado?
2: Don't know for sure yet. But the plan is for it to be this summer. Got a couple months of
1: living on the lease I'm currently at before I can make that move. All right. So we might have to deal with West coast time zones, which will be fun. Um, Yay. (laughs) It's already difficult enough with all of us on EST. Um,
2: Yeah, it'll be fine. We made it work when Drew was in Nashville.
1: That's a little bit different than PS. It's only an hour more.
2: It's, it's mountain time. It's
1: not, not it quite uh,
2: Pacific. That's yeah.
0: wild. Colorado seems so far away. It's only one hour. It's only two hours behind. That's crazy. Y-
2: yes. And then you consider that there's like all that much more country after Colorado. And there's still like a hub, another like column of states that are in the mountain time zone before you even get over to the western time zone. So it's kind of crazy. The country's big. This is a big country. Not as big as Canada, though. Of course not. Uh, but enough about these soccer-adjacent topics. And we'll actually jump into some real soccer topics. Why? Well, as, right, exactly. as Drew was saying. Exactly. As Drew is saying, we've got lots to talk about CCL, MLS, games, MLS news besides the games, and then even a couple of North Americans abroad topics. But before we jump into uh, sort of the abroad stuff, we're going to stick in North America. Um, I'm not sure how much you guys saw of this over the weekend because it was happening really late Saturday night here on the eastern um on the east coast in the eastern time zone. But there was a tragedy this past weekend in Mexico uh during a Liga MX match between Querétaro and Atlas and uh basically if I remember correctly there's a lot of the uh well, hold on a second was it Atlas and uh
1: it was Atlas.
2: Was Quarantaro the, the club that they were playing against? I don't yeah. even remember. Okay, yeah. so that was. The they club. were the home team. Right. Uh, yeah, so this game was being hosted at Quarantaro, and um, there was tons and tons of fan violence, uh, mostly spawned by uh, these so called supporters groups. Um, and there was just tons and tons of disturbing video and pictures that came from this. And initially, it was reported that. 17 people had died in this violence, basically a huge brawl had broken out. Um, Since then, there's been a lot of disputed reports. It's been reported that there weren't any deaths and that there were only injuries ranging from critical condition all the way to minor. And that's still ongoing. There have been punishments handed down from the uh, Mexican Soccer Federation. That includes basically the owners have to give up the team. Uh, They can't have fans for, I think, at least a year. Um, Their supporters groups are not allowed to attend games at home. They can't attend away matches either. So that's all being sorted out. But I just wanted to touch on that for a second because it was some really, really awful stuff, really terrible stuff happening. And it doesn't belong You know, in in life, it shouldn't belong in the world. There's, you know, there shouldn't be this kind of violence that seemingly comes out of nothing, but even more so in these sporting events where these are supposed to be safe and comfortable spaces for people to attend, you know, what is essentially a leisure activity, um, a recreational activity, and especially for that to happen in front of kids and families that are just attending a soccer game. That's all they're doing, right? A totally normal thing. Uh, nobody should have been sub- subjected to that or to see any of that. And it's all really terrible stuff. And hopefully uh, the people that are responsible for basically evil stuff, uh, they get punished accordingly and they are, are found and and taken care of. So just really terrible stuff. Um, obviously we're thinking about those fans and those families affected from the violence down in Mexico. Um, just wanted to open with that. Moving on, though, into actual North Americans abroad stuff, Some, just a couple of small things before we really get into MLS news. Jesse Marsh, he managed his first game for Leeds United. As we touched last week, he took over that job from Marcelo Bielsa. He did lose. They lost 1-0 to Everton. However, uh, by all accounts, because I didn't get to watch the game, and I don't think either of you did either. It was a 7.30 a.m. game. Uh, by all accounts, Leeds United did really well. Um, they posted their best expected goals differential of the season, um, which is really good because their defense was just horrendous under Bielsa. And that's supposed to be the main difference between him and Marsh. So that was already felt um, on the pitch. Uh, and it seemed like, more, most importantly, Leeds fans were pretty happy despite the team losing. They were very um, hopeful with the performance. More than likely, if the team plays like that the rest of the way, they will probably stay up. And their next game actually kicks off in about an hour. Uh, I can't remember who they're playing today, but uh, we'll see if Jesse Marsh can get his first ever Premier League win. And it will probably be one of the first Premier League wins. I assume uh, David Wagner won with Huddersfield. I don't remember if Bob Bradley ever ended up getting a win at Swansea. Uh, but outside of Jesse Marsh, the only other big thing this weekend, uh, Christian Pulisic scored and assisted for Chelsea against Burnley on Saturday. Uh, it is just Burnley. But it's good for Christian Pulisic to be playing well, heading into the last qualifying window, which is in just a couple of weeks. And then Connor, I assume you're going to talk about some Chelsea
1: stuff because that that has been crazy. And that happened this morning. I'm not going to. Um, but that did happen in their main sponsor left uh, because Abram- Abramovich still owns the team. Um, what I was going to bring up is apparently. Uh, Julian Nagelsmann said he's expecting Alphonso Davies to be available for their next quarterfinal leg, which is like April 8th or 9th sort of thing. Um, so he's getting closer to a return uh, after being diagnosed with myocarditis from uh, his bout with COVID. So good signs that he's getting healthy again. Josh, I want to dive into – did I cover the um, – Chelsea stuff well enough. I don't know. I, did I miss anything else? Yeah. You, yeah, you definitely did. So this morning there were sanctions levied
2: by the United Kingdom government uh, to the oh. point where Abramovich is not allowed to sell the team. He can currently, if he does want to sell the team, he has to go through the UK government to do it. He can't get any single proceeds, which he did already say he was going to put everything to charity, but they're saying absolutely nothing. The biggest thing though, Chelsea cannot sign new players. They cannot sell players. They cannot sell any of their gear. They cannot sell new tickets. Any current season ticket holders are the only ones allowed to attend matches going forward. Uh, And they can only continue paying fees that they've already signed up to pay. Um, You know, if they have installments or whatever. Uh, So, yeah. Oh, and they can't spend more than like 20,000 pounds on international travel. So they're already saying that that might pose issues for Chelsea, who have to travel to Lille next week for Champions League. So this is pretty crazy. There's like some serious stuff going on with all these Chelsea that's sanctions. Like commercial. Yes, someone already made the joke that Chelsea's going to have to do the MLS treatment and, tra- and travel via commercial flight or whatever the case is. So that that's pretty crazy. That's the oh, and as you said, their shirt sponsor. The reason why Three is dropping out is because of those sanctions that came down this morning. So huge huge deal uh but speaking of a blue team whose team starts with whose team name starts with c let's jump into some mls news we'll get into charlotte fc stuff drew i'll go ahead and let you take over since you're going to be the new charlotte man so tell us what happened with those guys because it's never never a dull week up in charlotte which is now a full-on soccer city
0: yes yeah charlotte fc after losing their home opener 1-0, breaking the record. It has been a wild time for them. Uh, But they have reportedly acquired Polish and Derby County winger Camille Jozwiak. Hopefully I did not bounce that pronunciation too bad. Um, Wayne Rooney confirmed that he was going stateside. Um, He was at the home opener. So this scene, I mean, Tommy Scoops reported it. Uh, The Derby County Telegraph has been all over it. Uh, According to the Telegraph, uh, it's going to be a DP, about a 2 million pound transfer fee. He's 23 Um, He hasn't done a whole lot with Derby County. He's played in the Polis international team and there he's had a little bit more production. So we'll see how that goes. Charlotte FC pretty light in the winger department and the attacking department because they have yet to score a goal. Um, And although it's only their first two games of the season, uh, obviously they had one called off against DC United, but still looking for that first goal in their club history. Uh, Maybe they will get it in Atlanta. I know that would be sweet for them to get it in another Southern rival but I was really hoping they would get it in the home opener because I wanted to see 75,000 North Carolinians, North Carolinites, whatever, go crazy over soccer because that would be awesome. Um, But yeah, Charlotte FC looking like they're adding a new winger for the attacking side of things. And they also, this is after they acquired Daniel Rios uh, from Nashville SC last week. So it looks like Charlotte is getting into the attacking department to fix those issues. Um, But in addition to going to England to sign a winger. They acquired uh, center mid-Derek Jones from Houston. Uh, This was a weird one. This is a weird deal details type thing. So Charlotte FC will receive Derek Jones and $50,000 in GAM in 2023. And then Houston received $250,000 in GAM in 2022. (laughs) that sounds like it shouldn't be a thing, but MLS is weird and dumb. And that just like, that's that. Yep. That's how it happens. That's how this league works. Um, he's on a contract through 2022. So he'll be with them for the rest of the season for sure with a club option in 2023. So Charlotte FC making moves as they get through their first season in MLS. Um, I don't know if any of you guys have any takes on this. If Charlotte FC tries to build their first roster or we can get into Um, A little quick other bit of news. Uh, BWP retired. Holy crap. That's wild. MLS legend. uh, 117 goals, 34 assists, 234 matches. He's played with the Red Bulls. Obviously, I think that's where he got his mainstay. And he's appeared for LAFC in Columbus. Um, Fastest player in league history to 100 goals. He's won three supporter shields with the Red Bulls. So... I mean, for me, I don't know about you guys, but this is a dude that's just like become synonymous with MLS being a fan in this league. You kind of just always know where BWP is, um, especially with Atlanta and Red Bulls going at it there for a couple of years when he was there. He was a guy who always had to be sure where he was on the field. So he's retired. Uh, he retired as a free agent. Um, for you guys, how do you feel? I mean, BWP, he's like an MLS legend, right? I guess he's for all of us. I mean, I don't know. I don't remember an MLS without bwp so i mean this is kind of the end of an era right
1: yeah (laughs) simple as that yeah uh
2: josh yeah so uh actually this is uh i guess a bit of a a special moment for me like i um bwp riley Wright phillips will always um be significant for me because he's the first ever professional soccer player i ever interviewed Uh, And it happened in person. Like I literally did not know what I was doing. I had no one mentoring me or coaching me. I just got an email about showing up to this thing in Atlanta for part of the all-star break with the opportunity to interview him and Greg Garza. And uh, this happened like just a few days after he scored his 100th goal and had that celebration with his 100 on his jersey. And I had questions prepared and everything. Uh, I did my best to be ready. And I'm asking questions and everything's going fine. Um, but then there was something he said where I wanted to ask another question that I didn't have written down. But as I'm listening to him and thinking about the question I'm going to ask, I forget the question naturally. And so I'm, he can tell I'm a bit flustered, but he was so nice to me. I, I'm pretty sure he could tell I was a little nervous to be interviewing him. And he just kept me on course and was calm with me. So I will be eternally grateful for Bradley Wright Phillips and the, um, the professionalism he showed and just, he was very, very kind to me in that single interaction I had with him. So what a special career, really cool. I always hated going against him as an Atlanta fan because that dude terrorized us just like the rest of Red Bulls. Um, and even, even in the conference championship game, uh, the conference final first leg where he scored a goal against Atlanta, but it got called back for offside uh, interference with Brad Gazzan or whatever. But even when he scored that goal and in the moment, I was really upset. Part of me was, was pretty happy that of all people, like it was Bradley Wright Phillips scoring on at a lane night. So special congratulations to him. Uh, and it's not here in the doc, but he already is going to be working with Red Bulls going forward in a, in a front office role. So it's good to see him back and hanging around MLS for the time being. Um, So, again, congratulations
1: to uh, Bradley Wright Phillips. Yeah, he was one of the first sort of big-name internationals who took a chance on MLS. Um, You know, his brother was big in the Premier League. I think he had a stint in the Prem, too, and then signing with Red Bulls and doing everything he's done with them. Uh, It's sad to see him go, but he's 36, so, you know, you get to the point in your career where you want to hang him up. And he was sort of a substitute at this point. So, yeah, I don't know. It's sad, it's just sad to see him go, but I'm glad he's still staying in the in the league. Quickly, actually, before we dive to our next topic, I do also want to highlight, I believe Wright Phelps was pretty big involved in the Black Prairie Players for Change, right? I don't
2: remember anything specific. With him, his involvement, but
1: I think he was involved. and I think that should be highlighted. Um, that it isn't just the impacts on the field that he should be remembered, but his impacts off the field too. Uh, and speaking of positive impacts in the black community, MLS announced a historic 25 million dollar transaction with black owned banks. Um, this is going to be through a leveraged loan. Uh, meaning the money helps improve the banks' capital through increased credit ratings, uh, through fees and interest earned. Um, this is pretty big. And I don't know if it's been talked about enough. I don't understand the intricacies of it, but... It probably hasn't been talked about a lot because it was only officially
2: announced like a couple hours ago.
1: What? I so thought it was an interesting random.
2: It, it was, like, previously announced at a – I don't remember when it was. might have been the All-Star break last year in Los Angeles. They, they announced that they would be trying to do something like this, but it never – you know, today it became official. Oh, I thought it came it out
1: yesterday. yesterday.
2: Never mind then. Yeah, no, it was definitely earlier today. Um, but, yeah, so – just huge i don't understand the intricacies of it either if I'm being honest with you because all the all this bank stuff is just you know money's not real so it is what it is but it has to be real in our society and so it's really good to see uh this sort of effect from the league which has tons of money i mean all the owners are extremely wealthy it's, it's literally one of the things mls is known for but i love this move it's tangible real progress it's it's MLS backing up their talk by saying we want to help, we want to increase our uh, diversity and inclusion um, part of our league and our organization, and they've done just that. Um, it's really awesome to see someone I hired, in Solo Winley, um, you know, using his position to make a move like this. Um, and I encourage everyone to seek the announcement out on Twitter or on the website, on the MLS website or whatever. There's a really cool video. That features Winley and Quincy Marroquois, who I believe is the current president of Black Players for Change, or he was the president at the time of them announcing this deal. Um, either way, he's a, a an important face for the organization. But there's a video with the two of them. I think Bernice King is in it as well, since she's a member on the board um, of the banks that are collected together for this transaction. So check out the video. It's really cool. Um, and check out the announcement. I think they go into a bit more of the details and whatnot. Um, but, yeah, just really, really special move, I think. Like, this is just – it's it's just so refreshing to see a big corporation slash organization slash league say they're going to make change happen and then for MLS to actually step
1: up and do something like this is just fantastic. I'm just looking up. Uh, he is a member, by the way, uh, Blair, Brad DeLitter-Phillips. I just wanted to double-check that in case I was completely off base. Um, he is. so. Yeah, he did have an impact and an influence on it. Um, but let's go from one investment that's very good to a probably not as good investment. Um, just before we started recording, the LA Galaxy officially announced that they have signed Greg Vanney's nephew, Eric <laughs> Uh I know he gets a lot of hate. He actually isn't terrible. He's a good four option. It's just kind of funny that he continues to follow his uncle around. Um, but Hey, you got to take advantage of the opportunities you're given. And he was given an opportunity and he took it. So good for Eric. Um, I don't know. I don't got anything else to add to that. Either of you have anything you want to add No. Nope. inconsequential fourth defender. Yeah. I, there's no good way to transition to this next su- subject, I guess, or topic. Um, and that's being the Portland Timbers just continue to dig themselves a hole uh, with Andy Polo's ex-partner alleging that after the May 23rd domestic violence incident, two Timbers representatives uh, showed up to their to her home and tried to bribe her. stay silent this is reported by espn's jeff carlisle none of this is being confirmed um we have to push this very heavily but this is being reported and like it's so bad it's so bad um it's probably pretty obvious that the timbers denied this i think anybody with a functioning brain could acknowledge that they would not Openly admit to this. What do you guys make of it? Like, it's already a terrible situation, and this just makes it even worse, really.
0: Yeah, I think, I mean, there's not, right, not a whole lot to say about this besides that. It's horrible. Um, We've talked a little bit. It's unfortunate that we've had to talk about this multiple times, but it needs to be talked about. Um and this is across, you know, between the two clubs that this organization owns, between the Thorns and now the Timbers. Uh it's the same situation, but it just seems that it keeps getting worse and worse. But I mean, I think I even said it last time that I mean, just transparency, I think is the best way to handle these type of situations, obviously in a dream world. Um these domestic violence incidents don't happen. Um, But when they do happen, I think it's best for a club to just be transparent with its supporters, instead of trying to cover things up, because that literally nothing good comes from that. It's insulting to the supporters who love this club and spend money on this club. It's insulting to that specific victim. It's insulting the victims all around the world when you're trying to do this, um, when the world is just trying to stop these from happening, right? We're trying to get rid of the stigma of being a victim of this. And then when you do something like this as a major sports organization in your city and in the country, um, that's just sets a really bad example, um, for people in general, not just people in sports, not just anything, but it's just not good. Um, and we've talked about how, um, outspoken Timber supporters have been thorn supporters have been um, about this. They love that club so much. Portland, Providence Park is one of the meccas, I feel like, of Amer- of North American soccer. Um, and for this to happen um, is very, very sad, unacceptable. Um, again, this is pretty new, so we'll see where this story goes. I don't think this is going away anytime soon. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the club obviously shouldn't have done this. This is really bad, not acceptable by any means. Um, and for a fan base, that is really one of the the prime joys of Major League Soccer Um, for this to happen to them and for a team to think that this is somewhat acceptable at all um is pretty embarrassing, I think, to the league. Um, a league that prides itself on being accepting and very open and welcoming for this to be happening for one of your uh highlighted clubs that gets so much um prominence is just really embarrassing. Um and definitely should not should not be happening at any level, um regardless of whether or not you're a big soccer team or not. This is across the board. This should not be happening at all. Um, And, yeah, we'll see how this develops because this is pretty new. And, yeah, this isn't going away anytime soon, unfortunately. But, yeah, this just can't be happening at any level whatsoever. And for it to be happening in the top tier of American soccer um, is pretty embarrassing.
2: Like Drew said, we've been talking about this for a long time, and it's really frustrating. Uh, It's just gross behavior from the Timbers franchise. Um, We, of course, know the stuff that's happened with the Thorns as well. Uh, I I'm just ready for I'm ready for MLS to be done with their investigation. Um, I believe it's an independent investigation, but either way, like it just hopefully they get it done soon so that uh, Portland can go through its punishments because it it is deserving of some punishments with the way they've handled this, uh, the way they handled Paul Riley, uh, just, just completely It's frankly, extremely embarrassing uh, as someone who, enjoys MLS. I mean, we're literally talking I mean, this is, it's part of the name of the podcast and uh, for one of the teams to be this um, just this stupid, I mean, how can you be so stupid to protect the wrong people in this situation? And then to just, I mean, just, just horrible to try and cover it up, um, to try to keep a victim silent. is just despicable behavior. So yeah, I hope the investigation is wrapped up soon and we can, We can get this uh, organization punished in the way that they deserve.
1: It's, yeah, embarrassing. Um, There's no other words for it. Um, Unacceptable and embarrassing. But yeah, hopefully the victim gets the help that she needs. Uh, And there's no good way of transitioning out of that. Um, But I guess in more positive news that is just being added by Drew now. Nashville have announced their stadium sponsor, Geotis.
0: Geotis, something like that. This literally happened like 15, 20 minutes ago.
1: Okay. Well, it's a France based logistics company with an office in Tennessee. That's everything I know about them. Do we know how much the deal is? Anything like that?
0: Not a ton. I'm currently trying to find uh Drake Hills. He is the Tennessean reporter that covers Nashville SC. Um, see what kind of scoop he has. But no, it's exciting. The stadium looks sick. They got the grass in. Um, it is all on schedule to be opening up in early May. Um, so yeah, I think this is like kind of a waiting thing to see if they would get when they would get a stadium sponsor and what that would be. Um But, yeah, I'm currently on the Tennessean article right now. And I do not see anything about a name. I mean, not name, money. Uh, Yeah, I don't think we know too much about it. I know it's just a Tennessee payoffs in Brentwood, which is not far from Nashville. Uh, there were 10 candidates for stadium sponsorship and finally only notice one. So that means more money to Nashville SC and that stadium is going to be awesome. So finally, it looks like the finishing touch on it. But yeah, this literally happened like 30 minutes ago. I think they had an event like at one or I guess 12 o'clock their time for this announcement. But everyone is at the stadium announcing it. So that's some good news in the league. More money in the league, more money for Nashville.
1: Yeah, and that's always a positive. Um, so we'll see what the official number comes back, uh, at, but yeah, what good that there's more investment in the league. Let's go to CCL. Now we're not going to spend a huge amount of time on each game. Um, I'll just fire through the scores now, but it was a good weekend for MLS teams in CCL action. NYCFC beat Comunicaciones 3-1, Seattle beat Leon 3-0, New England beat Pumas 3-0. We'll talk about that in a second because I want to make fun of Josh. And Montreal only lost 1-0 to Cruz Azul, despite looking less than stellar, is probably a kind way of putting it. How many of these games did you guys catch? I caught Go ahead, Drew.
0: To NYCFC and Seattle. Those were the two games on FS1, so I got to watch those.
1: Okay. True? I Not true, Josh. Who? Josh. Who? <laughs> um,
2: I got to see, I think, mo- it was most of the Seattle game, I think the first half before I fell asleep. I saw all the New England game. I missed all of the NYCFC game because of rehearsal. And then I watched the most important parts of the Montreal game and then fell asleep.
1: Okay, Um, I caught the second half of the New England game. I caught part of the Seattle game. uh, And I caught most of the Montreal game. I want to talk about New England for a second because I want to talk about the fact that Josh's takes about New England age like milk. And that specifically being... Midway through the game Josh Boland said that Buxa sucks. That is not Buxa true. Proceeded to score two goals. First Stop. of all,
2: first of all you're welcome. You're welcome New England and Adam Buxa. Okay, he heard me, heard me talking crap and he decided to do something about it, which good because he was stinking up the place for 60 minutes or however long it took to, for him to score. Look, man. I but Buxa is just, I don't know. I can't see how the club is going to sell him for eight figures in the summer because if anybody watches video of this guy, they'll see that he just doesn't know how to score. Um, he did end up scoring, so good for him. I would say a conversion rate of two out of 20 is not great, but I'm just some guy. You know, what do I know? Um, so congrats to the New England Revs for winning a leg of soccer 3 nothing. I wish them the best of luck down in Mexico next week. During the away trip. And uh, again, you're welcome. Too bad it didn't work last time when I threatened to eat a hat. (laughs) if He scored a hat trick, which I'm pretty sure he has never scored a hat trick in MLS. You know what? He could have scored a hat trick last night. He could have scored two hat tricks last night with all the chances that that guy had. But I'm not eating a hat, so.
1: We don't need to focus on the details. All right? He scored two goals. That's all that matters. (laughs) But yeah, is this the year because like MLS teams are looking really good and the Mexican teams look like crap. At least from the games I've watched.
2: It's the year. I think it's the year.
0: Is it going to be four MLS teams in the semifinals?
2: No, not a chance.
0: Who blows it? Cause all of them have good odds. Either they're going to blow a massive lead or Montreal doesn't get it done at home.
2: I got to be real. I mean, I'm with Connor just from watching these games. Like, I'm not – as an MLS fan, I'm not feeling scared about any of this. E- even Montreal being down one nothing. I mean, they, they'll just be home now in the second leg. You know what? Oh, oh, you're making me think. You're making me think about this. Part of me does want to say that all four teams will advance. I just know that, like, logically, like, realistically, statistically, it's not going to happen. I will say this. I feel pretty comfortable in saying that I think it will be an all MLS final. And therefore MLS will guarantee that a team wins CCL for the first time. I do. I do think that it's going to come down to that, but all four. Eh, I don't, I don't know. Again, I just, the chances of it happening feel
1: too slim. Is it bad that the team I'm the least confident in is new England?
2: Not necessarily. I mean, I mean, come on, number one New England hater right here. Of course, I agree with that take. Um, <laughs> I think it would be worse if you were nervous about NYCFC, just because, for being honest, like Community is probably the weakest team of the four non MLS opponents, and NYCFC only have a two goal cushion. But even then, I'm not really not really worried about them. Yeah, I just I don't know. I just don't feel worried about any of these teams with new England, right? Like the concern is probably, Oh, they're like a bit older, I guess. And they're still not like fit They're not like mid season fit. But at the same time, they're just so, there's such a good balance of experience. And of course that roster skews a little older. It's just a good balance of experience. And there's enough young players like DeWan Jones, Jones um, who can have an impact on the game. Actually, I guess he's really their only young player. Now that I think about it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not, even New England I'm not too worried about, but it would not surprise me if them or any of these other teams managed
1: to blow it next week. I just feel like they have the most defensive issues of all these teams, and I could see them giving up a multi-goal lead um, like that. I still think they go through. Montreal, if they can get their shape right and play like they did in the first leg of CCL... I think they're in a very good spot. Um, But yeah, like this could very well be the year. I want to do Josh's favorite part of MLS, and that is predictions. Who wins it? Which MLS team do you think stands the best chance of winning it?
0: Seattle. They made Leon look horrendous. That game could have been 6-0 for sure.
1: And they
2: did it without Raul Ruidiaz Diaz and Nico Ladero.
1: All right. So we've got a consensus. Seattle. Interesting. They're gonna pull
0: it. It's gonna hurt so bad. <laughs> yeah. It's
1: not gonna hurt us. It's gonna hurt their fans. Yeah. Um, but of all teams to do it, I think Seattle would be the best ones. Uh not really owned by corporate ownership like NYCFC. Like um Montreal, eh? Montreal could actually. Montreal,
0: wouldn't that sting? Toronto, oh man.
1: Yeah, it
2: kind of would, but at the <laughs> same especially time, especially after you guys came down to a missed Michael Bradley penalty.
1: Look, okay. No, Montreal, now. We did first team to do
0: it in MLS as Canadian. Oh man.
1: Look, there are no good options on this list. <laughs> it's either the no, Saudi I- and NYCFC, the Seattle Toronto Killers. The New England FC, because half of their team are Toronto FC players at this point, or Montreal. There are no good options for a TFC fan.
0: Toronto's in shambles right now.
1: Yeah, it's just TFC World's in shambles. They can't defend. It's <laughs> just ugly, 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 ugly. Anything else you want to add to the CCL Talk?
2: All MLS and Focke
1: games. All MLS semifinal. All right. What are the next games, by the way? Next week, next uh, Tuesday and Wednesday. All right. So in a
2: week, we will know yeah. who the final four teams are.
1: Yeah. And we'll know that all four MLS teams blew it. Um, <laughs> which I wouldn't put it past them. Let's talk about some actual MLS games. And we're going to do the same thing we did last week because I think that was a good system. And the guy set up the notes like that because they did. Um, we're going to fire through each game. We'll highlight a couple of them. Um, and by a couple, I mean probably three. Uh, unless we. I'm going to highlight one other because I want to talk about that because you're making me talk about the other game. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, we'll start off with a game we're not talking about in detail in New England beating Dallas. Uh, notable... Basically, only because Bruce Arena became the winningest coach in MLS history. So, con- huge congratulations to him. Uh, One nothing win, as I mentioned. 241 total wins in MLS. He passed Siggy Schmidt. Nothing else really notable about that game. Just congratulations to Bruce Arena. Next game. We are going to go into detail on because yikes. Uh, New York Red Bulls beat Toronto FC in Toronto for their first game with a full stadium since March of 2020. uh, Or at least full tickets available. Four to one win for New York Red Bulls. Lewis Morgan scored a hat trick. Aaron Wong scored the other goal. Jesus Jimenez added the lone TFC goal. Carlos Salcedo has received a post-match red card for his tackle uh, late in the match, uh, which was initially reviewed by VAR, and the referee determined that it wasn't a clear and obvious error, and yet they still gave him a red card. A little harsh, but... I looked at it as an orange card because it was not a good tackle. Um, But the more notable part of this is the New York Red Bulls have multiple goals twice in their first two games. Last season, they only scored multiple goals twice in their last 20 games. Is this the New York Red Bulls beating up on a frankly, a ap- apocalyptically terrible defending team in Toronto FC? Or are they just good? I
2: think it's just bad teams, basically. Um, You know, it's just San Jose and Toronto, which, and I say that having predicted Toronto to finish second in the East this year, uh, not feeling too hot about that pick after two weeks, by the way. Okay, but yeah, I mean, they
1: don't have their summer signings yet.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it will change over the course of the season, and especially as Bob Bradley starts to really, um, you know, put his stamp on the team as well. But yeah, I, I I will say I think the tangible thing we can pull from this is that Red Bulls look like Red Bulls, and when they look like that, they're a really hard team to beat in this league. They've shown it time and time again over the years, uh, especially under Jesse Marsh. Um, and I guess that's it because all the coaches after him kind of sucked, Uh, but we know that Struber's really trying to get it back to that, trying to go full-on Red Bull, full-on energy drink soccer, so I think you you can go ahead and say through the first two weeks that they have done that. I'm interested to see how they do against Minnesota this week. They are at an advantage in that it's a home game, but I feel like you know, Minnesota, they're not the best defensive team, but they stay pretty organized and they're good about hitting teams on the counter. And so I'm, I will be interested in seeing if Red Bulls can sort of handle that because Toronto's not necessarily a team that's countered in the last couple of years and they won't be that way under Bob Bradley all that much. And then we already know San Jose is doing everything in their power to avoid like playing soccer. So I think... Once we see them against like a more legit team like Minnesota, we'll get a better idea of what they can do. But even then, like they, they there's a good chance they're going to start the season off, and zero. And so I think for now, I feel pretty comfortable in saying that they're the real deal just based on the way they played these first two teams. Um, Drew, what do you think about Red Bulls? Are they back? Are they more Red Bull than ever?
0: Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. Uh, most of the goals, I, didn't, I can't remember all of them right now, but they won the ball high up the field and then gave the ball to Lewis Morgan. He had some pretty incredible one-touch finishes. So, like you said, they pressed, they got the ball, they made a count, they scored um, against Toronto 4-1, and then I think a 3-1 win over San Jose. Um, so these are pretty similar type wins. Um in talking about the counter, they have not had more than 40% possession in either of those two games. They were like around the 33, 38-ish range of possession on both those games. So for the first two weeks, they've definitely shown how they want to play soccer, and it has worked. Granted, it's not against the best teams in the world, but scoring seven goals in two games is impressive nonetheless. Um, so I think they'll be be—they're the real deal. I don't think they will... They won't win MLS Cup because they're the Red Bulls, but they'll probably finish, you know, they'll make the I think I feel pretty confident saying they'll make the playoffs. I think it had them as a playoff pick, and this is just a good sign. Um, Lewis Morgan looks like an incredible signing because he is not a DP. They have one DP spot still open. So maybe that will be used in the summer. Who knows? I think we still have a little bit left here um on transfer window going on right now. So there's that possible option. Um, but I think they're, they're, they're the real deal. Um, Toronto's an interesting situation. Maybe Connor can talk more about that because I feel like the question with Toronto is, are these summer signings going to help fill this gap that if you keep losing four to one, that's a pretty big hole to dig yourself into. And are the summer signings going to help dig them out of that? Um, so I think the Rebels are a real deal. I think there's going to be some, you know, they're going to go through some spells where they're not scoring a whole lot. But right now, I mean, Lewis Morgan, three goals and an assist. He got an assist against San Jose, I think. Um, Patrick Klamala got a goal against San Jose. And then Aaron Long scoring. That's awesome. Everyone's scoring in New York right now. So I think they're the real deal. I think this is a really good start for them. And, um, man, if they get that third DP and it clicks, then that's going to be really good. But Lewis Morgan is tearing it up right now. Um, We saw how good he was in Miami. They paid like a million dollars in GAM or TAM, something like that, to get him to New York. And so far it is more than paid off, um, but I think they're the real deal. I think it's a really good start for them. And yeah, I mean, if they play this type of style where they're countering and winning the ball high up the field, um, that's going to be really annoying to play against as the Red Bulls always are very frustrating to play against. And first two games, it looks like they're kind of on board and it's worked out really well. So I think they're the real deal. I think this is going to be a sign of a really good team um, late in the season, hopefully making a playoff run.
1: Yeah, and I think we need to dive into that TFC backline. I mentioned last week near the end of our news segment uh, that Domenico Crescito was going to be joining the team uh, likely in the coming next couple days, uh, agreeing to his contract. And then basically almost like same day, it came out that he's actually going to stick with Genoa for the rest of the season. Um, I don't know if the deal is off completely. I believe the initial plan was actually to have him join in the summer, so maybe they're just going back to that. But that is not good when you consider Jacob Schaffelberg doesn't work at left back, Jaquil Marshall Rudy is too young and weak almost to really succeed as a defending right back. Um, Salcedo has been pretty decent, but he's very slow. Chris Mavinga can't pass a ball, which is an issue. And Shane Long is just a third MLS center back. He's not really starting caliber. I think their solution is going to a three-back using Mavinga, Salcedo, and... um, uh, What's his name? I just said it. (laughs) Uh, O'Neal in, like, a back three. Use Marshall Ruti... In at right mid slash right back, and use Jacob Schaffelberg in at left back slash left mid, or even Luca Petrasso, who was incredible uh, for Toronto FC on the weekend. Keep the same midfield trio, allow Pozzuola to play a bit higher up the field centrally, and then two strikers of Jimenez and Nelson, or Kerr, or uh, Achara insert player Akinola when he gets healthy, because he's reportedly going to start uh, fully training again pretty soon. So I think there are solutions to this team and I don't think you need to panic necessarily yet. Uh, but the defensive issues are very apparent and they're going to be really, really exposed. Um, basically until reinforcements arrive. And, uh, Also, Alex Bono cannot start in goal against Columbus. It needs to be Quentin Westberg. Bono was just terrible. Um, I thought he should have made at least two saves on two of the goals. Uh, He just wasn't very good. I don't think he's very good. I think he's a backup, and that's about it. And I think having that distribution option in Westberg would also be very helpful, but... That's all we're gonna say about TFC unless either of you want to have anything you want to add to the TFC defensive issues. Yes, no, maybe so.
0: Yeah, I have to play a team that just scored three goals in around. so not looking too good for next week.
1: They they will be better as
2: the season progresses. It's still super early, and they've got more signings they gotta hash out. So, if I'm a Toronto fan, not too too concerned yet.
1: Also, if you're an MLS fantasy player, I would start as many Columbus players as you can. Uh, I Thank have Lucas on captain. Let's next go to Sporting Kansas City, who beat Houston one nothing. Remy Walter. Uh, with Voltaire. Voltaire? Voltaire. Voltaire. Okay. I thought he would be French. Uh, Remy Voltaire with the only goal. That's all we have to add on that. (laughs) Um, Philly beats Montreal two to one. Lassie Lapalainen scored for Montreal, but Bedoya and Daniel Gazdag uh, scored three minutes apart to come back. Julian Carranza was sent off in the 71st minute uh, because of a double yellow. So he'll miss their next match. And Montreal couldn't capitalize on 20 minutes being up a man. So. That's not positive, but again, they're going through CCL. So we're seeing a lot of those teams struggle to start the season. Just want to point out, because
2: this is one of the few games I actually got to see this weekend, but right before Philly scored both of their goals, Montreal actually scored Annika called back for VAR. So they went from being up to to being tied one, one to three minutes later, being down two one. So it was really a crushing way to lose a home for Montreal. But again, like Connor said, Kind of get a pass because of CCL, uh, for the time being,
1: yeah. And honestly, they've looked pretty solid. Their shape in the CCL game, as I mentioned, like people were not happy with it, it wasn't very good, but they've been pretty decent so far. Um, I think they're going to be, as we predicted at the beginning of the season, a bubble playoff team. Um, so yeah. All right, let's go to our next in-depth game. Uh, San Jose against Columbus somehow tied 3-3. My question, and the question that everybody's asking, what the hell? How does this make any sense? Zalarion scored two goals. Zardes scored the third one for Columbus. Uh, Christian Espinoza scored... A penalty for San Jose and Francisco Calvo scored twice, twice. Francisco Calvo to like 10 minutes. Yeah. To tie the game up. Uh, Jamero Montero, who you'll remember is actually in on San Jose, which I forgot until just now, uh, was sent off for San Jose in the 33rd minute. Just what? How? Why? Why all five W's in H just please divulge on that. Should we be concerned
2: about Columbus is a big takeaway I have from this because we all know they didn't make the playoffs last year, despite winning MLS Cup the year before um, this and bringing back a basically the same team. And in fact, an improved team with some of the depth pieces they picked up. So, yeah, what, and this is the San Jose team that
1: got smashed the week before against. Have you, uh, have you not learned? You've been watching San Jose for years now. They're either the second coming of Champions League winning Bayern Munich or they're FC Cincinnati on their worst day. There is no in between. Dude, you had you had an opportunity there to say they're either Byron on their
2: best day or Barca on Bayern's best day. That would have been a much better joke. <laughs> I wish I'd come up with that. <laughs> um but yeah, no, I I know, I know San Jose is like the like physical embodiment of chaos. Um, but still like but but, but like from the Columbus side of things, you know, like what what Drew, let's say you're a Columbus fan. Does this freak you out at all? Like, are you even – I know it's early in the season, but imagine watching this game being up 3-1 on the road and then you let Francisco Calvo, of all people, score on you twice in 10 minutes. I mean, this basically is a loss, no?
0: Yeah, I think it's basically a loss, but I'm not worried about it just because the offense is obviously there. Um, last week they scored four against Vancouver one, four nil. Um, I think this is just a weird game that you kind of got to, I don't want to say forget about, but almost just forget that it even happened because what be a goldfish, be a goldfish. Yeah. Oh yes. Sartini supremacy, be a goldfish after 10 seconds. Forget. I know it's a Ted Lasso quote, but I haven't watched that show. Um, yeah. So Dude, it's on Apple TV. I don't want to pay for a subscription. Oh I don't my want to get god! Started. I'll
2: give you my login. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um. I'll text you when I get to Charlotte. And have good Wi-Fi. But yeah, <laughs> if I'm Columbus, I'm not worrying too much about it because you know the office is flicking stuff around. Looks like that dude. Um, two goals, and I think he got an assist. As I tried it, he did not get an assist, but two goals. And then let's go see what the Vancouver side of things are. He has three goals in two games. Um, but I'm not worried about him because the offense is clicking, the defense, that's the sh- uh, question. They also shut out Vancouver, and they have Toronto coming up next, so that looks like another possible win. What's going to be interesting is that Red Bulls game coming up in two weeks against, um, yeah, New York in Columbus, or in New York. It is in New York. Um, so I'm not worried about I'm Columbus, the offense is clicking, and I think this is just kind of a – if this defensive collapse, right, dropping points late – If that becomes a theme, like if we see that maybe a couple more times here early on in the season, then I think we have room for concern. Um, Like Elaine United did that all the freaking time toward the end of last season, dropped points late. So if this becomes a concerning trend, I think we have problems there. But if this is just a one-off thing, I think it's fine. Um, Four points to start the season is not bad at all. Four points and seven goals and going on the road to San Jose – um, while it does feel like a loss, getting a point on the road is always good. So I'm not concerned if I'm a Columbus fan because it looks like Zelaya is back to Zelaya form, and Jesse Zarda scored a goal, which we might talk more in depth about that guy and his whole situation. But I wouldn't be concerned if I was a Columbus fan because the offense is clicking right now, and if he score three goals, it's going to be pretty hard to lose games and tie games. But if this keeps happening, then we can have uh, that conversation about Columbus. I think.
2: So I want to circle back to something you said at the beginning. And you talked about Columbus's offense being really well. I'm not so convinced. Uh, Zellerion does have three goals, but what happens when his form starts to fizzle out, which we've seen happen over both years that he's been in the league so far, he's not uh, necessarily the most consistent player. Also, I mean, he's scoring lots of these goals from uh, you know, from dead ball situations, and that that part concerns me as well. Yeah, he's pretty good at scoring free kicks but like that's not the probably not the safest thing to be relying on. So, I'm not convinced by Columbus does have uh Miguel Berry starting instead of J- Josi's artists who did not uh Berry did not score this game but he did score in the first game. Also worth mentioning that first game uh Vancouver got that red card and then Columbus scored an additional two goals after the red card. Um so yeah, I'm not super convinced by Columbus going forward. They need, they don't necessarily need to sort out the center forward situation. So, you know, Jossie's artist is the, usually the assumed starter uh, at center forward, but it's kind of been Miguel Barry so far to start the season. There has been lots of talk about trading Jossie's artist, uh, mostly being pushed by the guys at extra time. They really want to see these artists go to Col- uh, to Colorado, which totally lines up with the Rapids philosophy of getting what they called distressed assets um, from around the league and kind of stockpiling those types of players. And, of course, Artis needs minutes because he's trying to go to Qatar in the winter this year with the United States. Would you guys sell Artis to the Rapids? Do you think that's a good move to make? Do you believe in Miguel Barry enough for Columbus going
1: forward? I think you have to give Zardes a bit of the benefit of the doubt. I think it might be smart to move off of that asset at this point and bring in a new DP striker. He is a DP for them. That is true. So you're also opening up a slot in the process. It might just make sense at this point. Like if you're not going to start him, why keep him? It's the same sort of situation as TFC had with Josie but they can actually get real assets for the full contract of Zardas. Whereas right, you've done that. Like I think Colorado would actually pay to get them. I don't know how much, I don't think you'd get market value, but you would get assets and you'd get a DP spot, which I think is really valuable. It might just make a lot of sense. I like it. I like the idea. I think, I, I think it just makes sense. I think it f- solves a problem for Colorado. It solves a problem for Zardes, and yeah, solves a problem for everybody. Like,
0: I don't know when because my biggest concern, right? Zardes has been on the field for a combined. Um, See, so he came in against Vancouver. He came in in the 73rd minute instead of 17 minutes, unless my math is terrible. Um, And then he came on against San Jose in the 65th minute, which is 25, 25 plus 13. He's been on the field for 38 minutes and he already has a goal. Um, So that's pretty good production. Obviously he's not going to keep that up. Um, That would be like two goals a game, which would be absolutely insane. Um, So he's in the short time that he has played for the crew, in these whopping two games, obviously this is just very early on in the season. He already has that goal. Um, but Miguel Berry also has a goal. He scored the first goal in that, uh, win over Vancouver, but I mean, if you, this has proven himself in this league, right? He's proven that he's a reliable striker, Won MLS cup with them, not too long ago. So, he's very proven in this league. And I think if you were to send him to Colorado, you're taking a very big shot on Miguel Berry. And I'm not sure he's proven himself as well as yes He's already says, if you're Colorado, I think you do in a heartbeat. I think that's easy. Um, I'm not sure what their DP situation is, or if they'd even get Jossie on a DP deal. But I think if I'm Columbus, I would wait to see if Miguel Berry can consistently do this before I ship him off. And if he does, yes, you send him away because that was a DP spot, and if you know we're in the summer and it looks like there's, you know, an injury or one consistent flaw, whether it's you know a center back issue or a defensive midfielder issue, whatever, whatever, use that DP spot to get some reinforcements and really try to make a run because this team's talented enough to do some damage. I think I picked them to win the East. Um, so if I'm Columbus, I'm waiting to see if the Berry can consistently do this. If I'm Colorado. I do in a heartbeat um, because he's proven himself in this league, Colorado, which we might talk a little bit more about a second. um, Just came off a pretty nice drumming against Atlanta. So, but that's their big thing, right? Like the, they always just need that nine. That seems to be their, what everyone talks about. We talk about the Colorado Rapids is, oh, can they get that number nine to finish things off? So if I'm Colorado, I do in a heartbeat. If I'm Columbus, I would wait and see if Miguel Berry can consistently do this before I send them. To whatever. Whether or not you want to keep him in the league, that's another thing. Do you want to have him in the league and potentially play him in an MLS Cup or play him in a match where you have to deal with him? So that's another thing you have to think about, too. Does Columbus want to see this guy potentially in a tough game, cup final or whatever?
1: Interesting points you bring up. Um, it'll be very interesting to see what they decide to do with Zardes. I think there is a fit there, as you said. Um, and Colorado should definitely consider doing this. But Let's go to our next game. Chicago drawing Orlando nil-nil. Yay. Vancouver and NYCFC draw nil-nil. Yay. Interesting that Vancouver finally get a point uh, to start the season and they do it against NYCFC. So that could be a big point uh, come the end of the season. Nashville and uh, Minnesota draw 1-1. CJ Sapong scored for Nashville and Hassani Dotson scored for Minnesota. I have no, no other comments other than good on Minnesota for scoring a goal against Nashville. Uh, DC beat Cincinnati, won nothing. Uh, it was an extra time penalty that won them the game. That is extremely concerning that it took you that long to score against Cincinnati, DC
2: um, are not good. I tried to tell you this.
1: No, they're not very
2: good.
0: The uh, captain my fantasy team, it worked out for me at the end. <laughs> Took about ninety minutes of sweating and wondering why does soccer hate me, but it finally paid off.
1: Yeah, they should have done a lot better in that game. Um, Speaking of DC, right, and this is I think even more embarrassing on Cincinnati's
2: behalf because they had like they actually had tons of good chances in this game. Uh and DC was down a man. They Ooh. were playing with 10 men. And then uh yeah, you concede the penalty on a handball in stoppage time, and you get a 98th minute goal to win. I mean, that is just dude, serious props to Cincinnati on this wooden spoon defense. I mean, they're just they are strong Killing two weeks it.
1: in strong. Look, you've got to have a brand, and this <laughs> is their brand. So congratulations to FC Cincinnati on really sticking to it. Uh, we were just talking about Colorado. Let's talk about them again, because they didn't have an issue scoring goals in this game, winning three to nothing against your Atlanta United as Josh walks away, probably for good reason. Diego Rubio, Jonathan Lewis and Andre Shinyashiki uh, with goals. Miles Robinson was sent off with a double yellow in the, 86 minutes so he'll be unavailable for their match against charlotte what did you guys make of this game and how did you allow colorado rapids to score three goals against you
2: i didn't really get to watch this game from what i could see i had it on but i was teaching while i had it on so i was not paying attention to the game um <laughs> The team didn't look that bad. They were missing Ozzy Lonzo and still missing tons of other players because of injuries and visas and other stuff. Um, But the real issue was just tons of mental lapses and individual errors. That's a big reason why Atlanta conceded those goals. So really disappointing, especially after such a good performance against Sporting Kansas City. Uh, Joseph Martinez was pretty non-existent in this one. I think, uh, like we just said, be a goldfish. That certainly applies to Atlanta uh, because they need to take advantage of playing Charlotte FC next. That's all I got to say about that. True.
0: Yeah, Atlanta was missing a lot of players. I didn't get to watch a ton of this. I recorded it um, for whatever reason because I hate myself, and I decided to re-watch it. And the beginning of the game, watching the game, I mean – watching it like how did this when because the start of it was good atlanta had its chances um it's like how you mean to tell me atlanta's lost three you no know, like what the heck is going on um and then just kind of fell apart there at the end the red cards certainly didn't help and yeah i mean missing a lot of players ozzy alonzo kind of felt like that santiago sosa replacement while he gets just ready to go again i think he's getting his green card i saw that he was in training um it looks like atlanta's getting more players Back slowly. Um, I think Almeida is on his way to Atlanta, I think is what I saw from our friend Chris Smith. I might be totally wrong. So that's good reinforcement um because hopefully that'll help some problems with Joseph just feeling like he has to get come back so far on the field instead of just staying up top like we you know how good he is at doing. Um, so yeah, I'm not taking a whole lot away from this from Atlanta just because there's so many players that you were missing. And Yeah, I personally came into this game thinking if Atlanta gets a point, I'll be happy because winning at Colorado is really difficult given the, especially given the lack of personnel that the team had. Um, And 3-0 beating, that's kind of worse than I expected, but this is going to be a hard result anyway. Um, But if the good news is, like Josh said, you have Charlotte at home. If you can't get against Charlotte at home on Sunday, then you have real problems. But I'm not too stressed about this because a lot of guys were missing.
2: One quick follow-up thought, good for the Rapids, good bounce back for them after um, basically getting embarrassed uh, with their CCLX ex- exit against Comunicaciones, and then getting embarrassed by Carlos Vela individually uh, in their opener. So good good job for them for coming home, taking care of business, getting a very nice, solid 3 nothing win in front of the home fans. Yeah,
1: so hopefully they can continue pushing on for the rest of the season. Uh, speaking of CCL teams, RSL beat Seattle, who are obviously in the CCL, one to nothing. Bobby Wood scored the lone goal in that match. LA Galaxy played Charlotte and won one to nothing in Charlotte's home opener, which had, uh, I think, seventy-four thousand uh, attendees ish, uh, highest attended soccer match in the world. So huge. Congratulations to them. Um, Efren Alvarez scored an absolute screamer. That was just disgusting goal. Um, Josh just put in the actual number. 74,479. That's an insane amount of people at a soccer game. Um, So congratulations to Charlotte for just decimating that record uh and then I this is a very interesting one Austin beat Miami five to one Miami initially had scouted and looked to sign Sebastian jey but instead went after Roger Martinez and they didn't get him uh, which is very funny. Drew, C., by the way, in this game, scored two goals. In their first two games, Austin FC have scored 10 goals. 10. Cincinnati scored 12 in all of 2020. By the way, the other goal scorers, Ethan Finley, scored twice. Um, Julio uh, Casante scored one and I can't remember who got the Inter-Miami goal. Leonardo Campana Leonardo Campana scored the lone Miami goal Are Austin good or do Miami really suck?
0: I don't want to answer that question but I have to. You know Austin (laughs) is, I think we forgot that In your second season, you're going to be a little bit better. Austin's going to be a little bit better. They're not going to be this much better, if that's grammatically correct. Uh, Miami is pretty bad. Cincinnati's pretty bad. But I think Austin got a little underrated, I think. Uh, Obviously, we've seen second-year bumps from Atlanta going from playoffs to winning the whole thing. Their second-year, Nashville going from playoff team to winning playoff games in their second year. LAFC is good in their second year. So I think we just kind of forgot about that with Austin FC. But I don't know if they will be, obviously five goals as a game is pretty unsustainable. Um, And we'll talk more about when we talk about games to watch. But They have a really tough test coming up these next stretch of games. They were very lucky to get probably the two easiest possible games you could ask for with hosting Cincinnati, hosting Miami, Um, which is also weird that they're starting with two interconference games, which we talked a little bit more about how those are increasing MLS. But to have two of those in a row to start the season is kind of weird. Um, but I think Austin is better. I think they're better than we expect. I don't know. It's really early. They're not. They're better than they were last year. I think that's pretty safe to say if they're a playoff team or not. We'll see because this is very possible that they go to Portland, they play Seattle, and they just absolutely you know, wiped and we're reminded, oh, this is still a second year team. They're not there quite yet, but they look good. Um, obviously you're having players score multiple goals and goals and scoring 10 against anyone is not nothing. To just look over. I mean, yeah, Miami's bad. Yes. And bad, but scoring five is pretty phenomenal. Um, so I think they're better than we expected. I, you know, I think, they'll. I think they'll make the playoffs. That's my hot take. I think they're better than we thought they were. Um, I think they're a playoff team. And they're showing us that they kind of felt disrespected, not getting a lot of credit because in their second year, you're always a little bit better. So, but Miami's really bad too.
2: Yeah, one thing that got overlooked last year is Austin really improved in the second half of their season once they were able to add a couple more pieces um, in the summer. And then another thing that's been overlooked is they got rid of a DP this offseason when they sent Tomas uh, Pochettino on loan to River Plate. And a lot of people have said that's addition by subtraction, which I found very interesting, especially some Austin fans saying that. So yeah, like Drew said, I mean, you know, odds are expansion teams, they're going to improve in their second season, unless you're Cincinnati. And then you're just a increased version of of what you already were, um, which was not very good to begin with, but yeah, Austin looked good. And of course they're going to look good against the same Miami. I will say I think the most promising thing you can take away from this one, they made history with 10 goals in two games to open a season, never been done in MLS before. And then two, this is what good teams do. They beat the ever living crap out of really bad teams. And that's what Austin did. So by that metric, I will say that I'm fairly convinced by Austin to start. Um, And also just good job to, to them for putting on a show for their fans, right? You have this beautiful stadium you had in your first year. You have tons of great support. You didn't exactly deliver in terms of the product on the field last year. And so, in a way, I feel like this is kind of making up for that and repaying the faith to their fans for being so loyal to start and so uh, supportive to start. So, just a good start to the season for Austin. Now, I will say this. No one should underestimate their confidence. Like, starting a season by scoring 10 goals, that's about as good of a start to a season as you can have. And I feel like we should not, again, we should just not underestimate what this might do to Austin to get their season jump-started. Going into now some pretty good teams starting with this weekend, which we'll talk a little bit about later.
1: Yes, Uh, and speaking of pretty good teams, next game and our final game, LAFC in Portland grew one-to-one. Jimmy's Chara just can't stop scoring overhead kicks, so he did it again. Uh, in this one, and Mamadou Fall scored the stoppage time equalizer. He is 19 years old, a center back, uh, and has five goals in 1,900 minutes. So, that's very interesting. Uh, by the way, those are goals on the opposing net, uh, not on goals. Um, yeah, they might... LAFC might have a gem in Mamadou Fall, uh, potentially, but... Yeah, 1-1 one, one draw. Let's do our players of the week, goals of the week, and our games to watch. Players of the week, I will I will kick it off because one of my players scored an overhead kick, and that is Jimmy Chara. And I'm using the same logic I used last week, In anybody who scores an overhead goal uh, deserves to be a player of the week. So he's my player of the week. We'll continue in the West and go with Drew.
0: Yeah. I went with Ethan Finley, two goals against Miami. Way to get it done, Ethan.
2: Cool. Josh. I picked Lewis Morgan because of his hat trick against, uh, against Toronto. Um, and then I picked Sebastian Giussi, uh, Ethan Finley's teammate for his brace for Austin FC. And
1: it was Morgan that ended up winning the player of the week. Thanks to that hat trick. Rightfully so too, probably. Uh, But speaking of Lewis Morgan, Mr. Hubbard, tell us about your goal of the week.
0: Yes. My goal of the week is Lewis Morgan's first against Toronto FC, uh, pretty similar to, I think his second or third, something like that. Um, But Red Bull wanted high up the field. um, And then, Nice passing Lewis Morgan. Nice one touch into the upper corner. It was awesome. He looks like he's phenomenal for Red Bulls. So I went with his first one against TFC, but second one or third one was also good. But mine was Lewis Morgan's first because the two obvious choices, I think, were already taken. Um, And Josh got the obvious, obvious choice. We'll let him close it. So Connor, I hear someone got another bike.
1: Yeah, I went with my player of the week's goal, which was Jimmy Charles half bike, half overhead kick thing.
0: I Was even a bike. I saw some uh, Felipe with the athletic was having starting some stuff on Twitter, man.
2: I I think he's right in that it's not. <laughs> so I'll go ahead and say I picked Jimmy charles right for my. No, I did not pick. Sorry, I got confused with last week's when I picked the last week. Anyway, I will say I agree with Felipe on that take. By the way, he. It wasn't quite a bike because I don't think he left both feet. The the first week was definitely a bicycle kick. This was slightly less impressive.
1: He kept one. Sorry, what was that?
0: Bicycle kick with training wheels. That's how we can refer to this goal.
1: (laughs) There you go. Good way of putting it. Josh, what did you go? What did you steal as your goal? (laughs) Steal. Steal.
2: Uh, no, I didn't steal anything. I just am the best um, host on this podcast. No, I picked Efrain Alvarez's um, just an absolute rocket. I don't know how he hit that ball that hard. And it was like a cross from where he was playing. Um, like the positioning on the field, he hit that far corner. Just so good. So good. Really silenced 75,000
1: people in an instant. That's how you do it. It was such a nice goal. It was such a nice hit. Uh, It couldn't really be any more perfect than that, but yeah, that's unbelievable finish. Let's go to games to watch. Uh, Drew and I swapped teams. So I'll go first and I'll say my game to watch are the New York Red Bulls against Minnesota United. I think it's New York's first really sizable test in Minnesota. Who've had a fairly decent start to the season. Uh, and I'm going to be very interested to see how they break down Minnesota's backline. Drew, what is your game to watch?
0: My game to watch? Man, I'm so happy 10 p.m. MLS games are back. I love it. Uh, Another 10 p.m. game on Saturday night, Portland and Austin. I want to see if Austin's really good or if this is just some shenanigans. Matthew McConaughey is pulling against us. Um, If they can get it done against Portland, then that is a good sign that they are actually good. Saturday, 10 p.m. I'm super excited about it. So I went with Portland and Austin. We can stay with some Cascadia, Texas nonsense happening with Josh. What is your game to watch this week? Man, that's the only time I've ever had a good transition. That was awesome.
2: Yeah, I picked uh, Houston, Vancouver. Um, I wanted to pick Houston because they have been, it's been like watching paint dry uh, for them the first two weeks. I think they've got a combined um, expected goals of 0.5. Across two games, they have literally not generated enough chances to score a single goal, which is probably why they haven't scored a single goal so far. So I am looking forward. Yes, I am. I'm looking forward to seeing what it will be like between Houston and Vancouver, Uh, Vancouver, a team that also hasn't scored any goals yet this year. So I'm looking forward to one of these teams getting their first goals.
1: I'm looking forward to MLS fantasy this weekend because you're lying. my team <laughs> is very good um which means it's going to be terrible probably Speaking from experience here i called it probably you also don't know don't know what you're doing uh I but, oh my gosh
2: oh my gosh i'm about to
1: rage quit this recording <laughs> yeah that's the reason you're rage quitting not to go watch the leads game uh yeah, i'm watching it right now i've been watching it for the last 12 minutes oh my god Okay, well, we'll wrap up quickly so that Josh can go back to fully focusing on that game uh, by telling you about the top three teams currently in our league. Specifically, number one from Snye or Snee uh, with Moron FC sitting in first with 186 points. Avenue B FC with Ketchum uh, is second with 185 points, one point back. And then sitting in third, Another CF Montreal fan, as Moron FC is also uh Montreal fan, which makes sense. Um, Real ABC with Verdi- Verdea? Verdeja. Uh, sorry, I don't know how to say it. Verdeja. Verdeja. Um, 181 points. Do you know who this person is? No, I'm just... Oh. That looks like how their name would be pronounced. Okay, well, shout out Verdeja. Uh, and... I got to do fourth because Nelson's a legend. Two choose in a row. So good. That's a great name. Is sitting in third with 173. Uh, And then, wow, actually, I have to mention five to seven because they're tied on points with Ivan Oldergooler and Caitlin Chale. But in terms of us, I am our highest ranking member, sitting in 13th with 139 points ahead of. (laughs) Sartini supremacy, Drew Hubbard, who is sitting uh with 112.
0: Like a goldfish. Forget about it, like a goldfish.
1: There you go. And Mr. bullwind is beating his brother or father or whatever. If you're listening to this podcast, Bull and family member, tell Drew which one you are not Drew, Josh, which one <laughs> you are. Um tell Drew too. Tell Drew too, yeah. Tell Drew, don't tell Josh, <laughs> tell Drew. Message him on Twitter. Uh, me. Show that uh, they only care about people who care about their friends. Fantasy soccer sucks sitting in 22nd with 93. 21st. Points. Or 21st, sorry, with 94 points. I'm looking at the better Boland. Um, who put up more points than you last week. Uh, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Josh doesn't know what he's doing he's terrible at this
2: oh my god Let's this is how up. i get repaid for trying for two weeks i tried two weeks this time all right and this is this is the the things i get yeah you got to try three weeks okay i'm about to quit you're gonna make me quit this oh makes yeah me no that's play anymore
1: so brave i your family member needs to keep doing this so that they can make fun of you endlessly um but yeah that's our podcast hopefully you enjoyed it drew Newly employed. You can take us out.
0: Yes. Thank you guys so much, as always, for listening to talk about CCL, MLS, a bunch of other acronyms, GAM, TAM, everything like that. So thank you guys again so much for listening. As always, be sure to follow us on Twitter, myself at underscore Drew Hubbard, Connor at CWG Somerville, and Josh at Josh underscore Bolin to see takes as MLS games happen. Or you can find the website on Twitter at MLS multiplex, and you can see the website um, the written articles on the website, my brain just died there for a second at MLSMultiplex.com as our writers crank out a lot of awesome written content because games are happening now. Um, so again, be sure to check out the website on Twitter and the actual website to get awesome content as it comes on and be sure to tune in next week because we'll have some CCL things going on. We'll have some MLS games going on and life will continue to be crazy. It's March. This is March basketball soccer everything in between so be sure to tune in next week because we will have a lot to talk about and we will talk to you then
1: thank you for listening to the mls multiplex podcast check out all of the contributors written work at mlsmultiplex.com